everyone, I'm Alexis Grace, and this is the Paper Cranes Podcast. I believe that we encounter God every day. Whether we realize it or not, He can be found in the grandest of adventures and the smallest of moments. Paper Cranes Podcast seeks out stories that show us how vast God really is, one person at a time. Hi everyone, this is Alexis Grace, and we're on the Paper Cranes Podcast. Today I have a really awesome guest. I met him over the summer when he uh, came and visited with his group and then he helped us out at the telethon and it was really great and super inspiring. So would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Good morning. My name is Deacon Anthony Hamity. I'm a transitional deacon uh, for the Diocese of St. Augustine, Florida, and I am studying at Pope St. John the 23rd National Seminary in Weston, uh, Massachusetts. So it's very good to be with you here, and thank you, Alexis, for the invitation. Great to have you. Thanks so much. Very good. So, Deacon Anthony, would you like to tell us a story? Sure. I'll try to keep this uh, less than three hours. (laughs) I'll share with you uh, some highlights in my life that I'm hoping will be uh, of some value to others. We all have our journey, of course, and uh, that journey is unique. I'd like to maybe say that uh, when I was in elementary school, you know, that impressionable age around eighth grade when our innocence of life is there, and I think we're so much more attuned to what God wants to say to us because there's less distraction, if you will. I was an altar server. I went to Catholic elementary school and Catholic high school, so I was very blessed, thank God, And as an altar server, I took it quite seriously and I enjoyed it thoroughly. And I remember uh, one day during a break of classes, I was in the church and I had been talking to a seminarian then, and he never said anything to me about, have you thought about a vocation? Mm -hmm. But I remember kind of looking at him like, wow, you know, this is, this is a big deal. And I remember other times just sitting in the church quietly praying and nobody else is there, just Jesus and myself. And you would hear like the little, the wood, the creaking of the wood. And it was just something very special about that moment, being in those times, you know. And I still remember that to this day. And that same seminarian gave me a crucifix, which I still have. And I'm going back probably, I'm going to date myself here. (laughs) But uh, it's probably like 1973, 74. Mm -hmm. And um, I still have that crucifix. So that's, uh, again, says something to me, you know. Anyways, I'm uh, one of five children. I'm the last of five children. And... My uncle was a physician in Jamaica, West Indies for 30 years. And I got was very impressed by him because he, not only was he very devout in his Catholic faith, but he served his patients with such Catholic love. It was tangible. So that was something that made a great impression on me because I also went there every summer and would mm-hmm. spend the, the time with him going to his office and observing him see patients. My mother, uh, wanting me to have a stable and uh, secure life, you know, always advanced, you know, that, why don't you think about being a doctor? (laughs) 
Well, you know, that was drilled into my head many times, uh, and she wanted that for my other two brothers, but they chose other paths. And um, so needless to say, being the pleaser that I was, I went down that road. Yeah. But let me say that uh, in eighth grade, I think the sisters that were teaching me saw something different. So one of them chose me to write a vocation story. Well, I was writing the vocation story and saying how I wanted to be a doctor. And what I really have to convey is that the hand was saying doctor, but the heart was saying priest. Mm -hmm. And so there was a funny conflict going on there. Anyways, I, uh, I was in my junior year of medical school when uh, my mother was diagnosed with cancer. And it was a type that was not responding to treatment. Mm -hmm. So I being the last of five children and all the other siblings being married and my father was still working, you know, to support the family. I was the one to take care of her at home. And of course, I had that medical knowledge at this point, you know, one year away from graduation from med school. But that was a very spirit and grace filled moment because uh, I started going to Mass every day. Mm -hmm. And I would go early because I had to get back in time before my dad left for work so I could take care of her. And there was something about the service of taking care of her, you know, um, which was very special and, and spiritually edifying. It was a great a time of great growth. And knowing how to draw the strength from the Eucharist, which is why I think God led me to go to Mass every day. And that has been my way of life since that time. So not that I was away from the church by any means before, uh, because even, I remember even in that time, I was you know close to the Lord, again, by His grace. And I think I attribute that to my upbringing, that my parents were regular Mass goers and, my mother always prayed that rosary, and of course, the statue of the Blessed Mother was in the house. So there were many, many blessings along the way. Anyways, uh, she had passed away in January. It was like uh, four or five months after her diagnosis. And uh, I did graduate medical school. My dad was there to witness it, and, uh, you know, I was thankful for that. And I know she saw from, God willing, her heavenly her heavenly seat. Yeah. Um, anyways, when I started to practice medicine, I decided on the field of pediatrics. And I did that for uh, about 28 years or so. And throughout that entire time, I always seemed to spiritualize my work. Uh, my practice of medicine, I would say, yeah, it had the science background, but it was more done... Uh, tried to, to live it and practice it with the heart of Christ, you know, uh, seeing people that needed help. Mm -hmm. And the Lord used it many times. He, there were situations where people came in, yeah, they brought their child in for some physical ailment. But many, many times I was either speaking with the adolescent, say, or the parent mm -hmm. about some spiritual matter. How it got there, I don't know, but it always goes there. Um, it always went there. Yeah. And uh, it was a great grace. 
So that was quite a blessing. And then the Lord started to send a lot of signals. That was one of them. But um, I got invited to sit on the board of a pro-life center, which I did for about five years. And uh, I was very active in that pro-life movement. And there were times in my practice when I remember encountering a young lady uh, came in with her mother. And of course, the symptoms were suggestive of pregnancy. Mm -hmm. And we, we confirmed that in the office. And the immediate desire of the mother, not the mother of the child, the, the, the potential grandmother, was to abort the child. Mm -hmm. And so I asked the grandmother-to-be to step outside and talk to me. Right. And I had a very heart-to-heart -heart talk with her. And I basically said, you know, that life comes from God. And uh, that's not for us to interfere with. Right. And long story short, uh, my patient had uh, her, her baby, mm -hmm. who then became my patient. <laughs> so, uh, and the grandmother was very happy yeah. that she didn't make that other decision. Right. So, again, another grace. I don't say that to credit myself. I, I think it was a moment where God was using me to promote the truth that he is. Um, another situation which I want to share was grandfather of this two patients of mine brought the child in and the father was kind of a friend of mine although I had not met his dad the grandfather before and he comes in and we were talking I saw the kids you know gave them whatever medication was necessary and then we got talking about faith and this man's devoutly Catholic. Mm -hmm. And he stepped into my office, and he's looking around. Because in my office, you know, my friends tease me. They call it Vatican Vatican West, <laughs> which is kind of funny. But I have, you know, our Blessed Mother. I have the Pope chart. I have a Statue of the Sacred Heart. Yep. I mean, there's no doubt that this guy is Catholic. <laughs> so he's looking around very quietly. And then, okay, so that visit ends. And... Probably, I don't know, maybe a month or so later, I get this letter in the mail. And I don't know if you're familiar with the Order of Malta. It, it's the oldest lay association in the Catholic Church. Okay. Okay. And their mission is to serve the sick and the poor. Mm -hmm. That was what they were originally created for. And they are still in existence today, and they still do that today. Um, and they're always available and make themselves present in times of disaster, wherever there's a need. Mm -hmm. So I received that invitation to join. And I, I wasn't sure at first because, you know, I, I uh, honestly was shying away from that type of visibility. Yeah. And um, having spoken with a couple people, when I found out more about what the organization was about and what they did, I said, okay, this is good. You know, God has given me this gift of knowing how to heal people. Mm -hmm. And now he's maybe showing me a way he wants me to use it. Right. So I ended up joining that association. And so since then, uh, again, shortly after that, and this is one of the times where I have to say our Blessed Mother, who has always been instrumental in my journey, was no doubt 
had her hand in this one. Mm -hmm. So I get a phone call from this woman named Hope. And Hope calls me and says, Dr. Hamity, we need your help. The nurse that was supposed to go on this youth pilgrimage to Lourdes cannot go, and we need to have a medical person. Will you go? Everything's paid. I'm like, okay, I get it. I look, you know, I'm talking to God. I get it. Okay, so I go on this thing, and I'm working like they're working. You know, we're we're working in the baths, helping people get in and out of the baths, uh, helping people off the trains and buses that are coming to Lords, and mass every day. You know, really a wonderful time. Anyways, I was working in the baths one day, and there was an elderly gentleman. He had come out of the bath, and he was you know, getting himself dressed and trying to put his socks on. He couldn't get his socks on. So I knelt down to help him get his sock on. And it was like time just froze. And our Lord transported me, if you will, mentally and spiritually, to his washing the apostles' feet. It hit me in that moment in that moment, and I, I realized what Our Lady was doing. She had taken me there <laughs> to give me that message. Yeah. So, uh, very powerful. Uh, another time, I ended up going to uh, a Holy Land pilgrimage. And I remember we were going across the Sea of Galilee. And I was sitting near the edge of the boat and just kind of looking out. And then I looked down and at the water splashing up against the side of the boat and uh, just taken overtaken by the sound, you know? And it was like, this is what Peter experienced, mm -hmm. you know? And again, that was like another sign, you know, just saying, I'm calling you right. to do this, you know? So, again, many times for which I am so grateful and thankful because no doubt those are grace-filled moments and little gifts from God. Um, you know, spiritual adoration was a time that is very precious to me and uh, Eucharistic adoration. And I remember before going to seminary, I spent a lot of time uh, looking for direction you know, for, you know, Lord, when are you going to send me that big sign? You know, I've had already had a few signs already, mm -hmm. you know. But I was waiting for the, you know, the letter in the mail, which was never going to come, of course. But, <laughs> but, you know, when you sit in adoration, you, quote unquote, hear things, not with your physical ears, but with your heart. And he made it very clear that this was the direction he wanted me to take. And so again, but in those moments of solace and solitude and silence, uh, they are very rich moments. If you want to hear and be, really be able to listen, I should say, we have to take ourselves into those moments of, of quiet. Mm -hmm. um, and also for uh, St. Faustina, Divine Mercy. Again, another time I was struggling with a question, looking for an answer. And I happened to be visiting my sister in Atlanta with my other sister, two of my sisters. So I happened to wake up early that morning and I had the Divine Mercy diary on my, St. Faustina's diary on my 
nightstand. I picked it up. I started to read it. And in those words, the words were almost starting to lead me towards an answer to what I was searching. And we went to 8 a.m. Mass. So that's like maybe what, four hours later. <laughs> I'm sitting there in the pew, and I have a sister, one of my sisters on either side of me. And the priest giving, giving his homily, and out of his mouth comes the words that are the answer to my question. I got an elbow into my rib on, from either side of my sister. <laughs> like, there's your answer, you know. And so, again, I mean, the, the times of grace, we just ask and keep searching and keep listening and persevere, patiently persevere, and he will give us what we need. Yeah. And he'll give us our answers. So I didn't mean to talk your ear off there. No, this, not at all. But... Um, I hope that's a few things just I wanted to share. Yeah, thank you so much. That's awesome. So a couple of things stood out to me. Um, the first is you talking about like sitting in the chapel when you were in school and just like listening to the wood creaking. I just have to say uh, that was one of my favorite things to do when I was at St. Anselm College was I loved the chapel there. I would try to go there pretty much every night and I was usually the only one there and just the sound of the church, like, I loved that. And I loved, there was something really special about that time because you could feel the Holy Spirit at rest, but he's never really at rest. He's all over the place. Yes, exactly. um, and I really, really, like, I took a lot of comfort in that throughout my years in college. So I know exactly what yeah, you're I'm talking, talking about. about. Yeah, that's great, yeah. yeah. Um, also, your experience in Lourdes, like, yeah, that's, yeah. I've always, well, I know my pastor back home when he does the washing of the feet every, which is coming up every yes, good Thursday, yeah. um, like, you can tell how much it affects him, and he's so, he's so humble about it, like, you know he does not feel like he is worthy to be doing the same actions exactly. that, like, Christ was doing. Exactly. Um, but that's probably my favorite part of the whole Lenten process is watching him do that because it's just such a like oof moment. It is powerfully humbling, mm -hmm. you know, because uh, it's a gift, and you when you when you become aware of the gift is when it, it's it's so hard to talk about. Sometimes I have to be careful because I can get emotional <laughs> uh, because it's out of gratitude. Yeah. Yeah. Um, last point. I'm trying not, I'm like halfway forgetting it. It's okay. Um, we had Lords. We had uh, the Holy Land experience. We had adoration. Uh, we had. All right. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so just the fact that you and your fellow seminarians are like delayed vocations, I. <laughs> I like really, really love that just because it's given me such hope. Obviously, I'm like, I'm only 22, but I have no clue what direction I'm going in with my life. Like, I love my job here. Um, very blessed to have gotten it like right out of graduation. But when I think forward like five years or more, like I have no clue where I'm going to end up. Um, but I just know that like wherever I go, I really, really want like 
service to be at the heart of it, like service to God, service to people. You'll never go wrong. And I just, I don't know. I'm just hoping like as I go along, things will come to me because right now I'm like, God, what do you want me to do? Well, I will think I would say to you, um, you know, talking about vocations at Pope St. John the 23rd, all those men through their experiences in life, God has been molding them. Mm-hmm. Uh, both the good and the bad experience. And I will say that, you know, not that I'm looking for bad experiences or challenging experiences, but those experiences are the exact ones that bring you closer to Christ mm-hmm. because we are so dependent on him during those times. And it becomes a matter of faith and trust, which is grace in itself. Yeah. You see? So to answer your question or to address what you're what you're referring to, I, I would say, you know, continue prayerful. Yeah. Um, you know, and trust our blessed mother. Yeah. Um the rosary has been a very prominent part of my life. Um I will tell you a, a little more story if I may. Yeah, go for uh, it. Two thousand and ten, so it's ten years ago now. I invited a buddy to come over to pray the rosary. So he came over, we prayed the rosary, we talked about our faith, etc. And I said to him, you know, next time bring another, bring a friend, bring another, you know. So eventually the group started to grow. And then it became like 12 men. And it was like 12 men for about three years. And we were intentionally fasting on bread and water because that's what our lady said to do mm. fast on bread and water and we were doing that every wednesday and we'd be texting each other throughout the day like saying this is really joyful you know <laughs> even though we were starving it was joyful there was something about it that yeah. was you know exhilarating and it was it was just i can't put words to it. that's the best yeah. i can do with it and then we get together that evening and pray the rosary and sit down and have bread and water again and just talk about our faith. Yeah. And Our Lady led us to, to said to us, you know, you need to take this outside now. Mm-hmm. So then we started meeting at like a Starbucks or, a, you know, and then we moved from Starbucks because, you know, we want to we want to support the Catholic values. Yeah. And uh, but we were literally praying the rosary outside of these places, whether we're just walking a parking lot at 6 a.m., praying the rosary. This was Saturday mornings we'd do this. And uh, eventually we moved to Panera. And uh, it got a little bit cold in Florida, if you can imagine that. (laughs) So we moved inside Panera. So now we had like 30 guys on a Saturday morning at 6 or 6.30 a.m., praying the rosary inside Panera, singing Ave Maria out loud. Nobody ever troubled us. Nobody got offended. So I even asked the manager one day, I went to the manager, I said, excuse me, I feel badly we're taking up a whole section. And just to show you how Our Lady had her hand in that too, the manager responded, do you want me to rope it off for you? So I was like, wow. I said, no, you don't have to do that, you know. But That's incredible. Yeah, and then uh, eventually one of the guys owns a uh, fish restaurant, mm-hmm. seafood restaurant. And he said, I want you to come pray at my restaurant. 
so he puts out the coffee every Saturday morning now. We go there, and, uh, you know, uh, Mass has been celebrated inside his restaurant, you know. The funniest thing, one time I invited a priest to hear the confessions of the men. Yeah. And there was really nowhere to hear confessions in private. I mean, you have a freezer, but you can't go in there. You know? <laughs> and uh, so the funniest thing is we put the priest in the bathroom. And I said, I bet this is the first time you're ever hearing a confession in the bathroom. But that's what we ended up doing. You know, wow. so uh, it was funny. And, uh, and his wife said to us, the wife of the owner said, you know, I got to tell you a story. It was a Saturday night very busy they were hopping and one of one of the patrons called her over her name's linda I said linda can i speak to you for a minute so this woman says to linda linda i have to tell you there's something very peaceful about this room so linda said to her oh they pray the rosary here every saturday morning so it's just funny how someone who has no clue yeah was able to pick up on something like that Amazing, you know. Does that wow. not talk about the presence of the Holy Spirit? <laughs> I know. You know. Wow. But, uh, yeah. So it's a lot of uh, a lot of beautiful things. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for being here and for sharing all this with us. It's been a great pleasure, Alexis, and thank you. And uh, rest assured, you'll be in my prayers. Thank you. One day at a time. Everything in God's time. And I, I just want to leave you one last thing. Mm -hmm. uh, I shun at the term late vocation. You know why? Because that implies that God messed up on his no, timing. <laughs> so I always joke around. I said, no, we're not late. We're seasoned men. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for supporting the Paper Cranes podcast. To listen to more like it, visit grexley.com. And to support our Patreon, visit www.patreon.com forward slash grexley.